Church, you may be seated. Are you thankful for the blood of Jesus this morning, church? Are you thankful for it? Uh, I'm thankful that my sins are washed white as snow. I'm thankful that I can have a relationship with God the Father through Christ Jesus. I'm thankful that we get to worship him this morning. You may, you may be wondering like that, that was, we, didn't, we didn't have like formal announcements, we only sang two songs, why are we sitting down, why are they already on stage? We're just keeping you on your toes this morning, church, keeping you on your toes. Um, last week, we, we finished a sermon series called Letters to My Son. Pastor Nick did a great job uh, putting a bow on that sermon series. We also got to celebrate him and his um, long tenure there as student pastor here at Holland Chapel, 17 years, and now he's, he's moving into uh, an administrative role here at the church. We also celebrated Pastor Grant moving into student ministry here at Holland Chapel. And, and to clear, you know, what, what is an administrative pastor? Um, the church, any organization needs to be ran, and Nick runs it well. Give him something, right? Like he's a good guy for the job. He's a good guy for the job. So I'm thankful that we have both of those guys here on staff. So just continue to pray for them and the transition and the church. Uh, so much good is happening here at Holland Chapel. Are you thankful to be part of Holland Chapel? Are you thankful? Like so much good is happening. Exciting time. Exciting time. Thankful for what God is doing here. Next week, September the 10th, we're going to kick off a new sermon series called God's Design. God's Design. The purpose behind this sermon series is to tackle some topics that we face in life and go back to the original. What, what did God have planned from the very beginning? Let me give you some examples that we're going to be going over. Uh, God's plan for humanity. What was, what was his design in creating mankind? What, what's the purpose? Also, uh, male, female. I never realized how important the scripture was that where God says in his image, he created them male and female. Uh, God has a perfect design. We're going to take his word and we're going to look and see what he has for men. We're going to look and we're going to see what he has for women. And then by design, right, we've got this beautiful thing called marriage. And we're going to look and see what God's perfect plan is for marriage, what his perfect plan is for you that are parents in the room. If you're a parent in the room and they are still in your house, do you feel lost? Do you feel lost? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, God's got a plan. He's got a perfect plan. And here's what happens. Here's why a series like this is so important, that, that when God has this perfect plan and, and he puts it into motion, something happens that, that tries to take the plan off track, and that's sin. God's got a perfect plan, but our sin messes it up. And sin can mess things up so much that it, it can distort what, what we think the original plan is. So it's really important for us to go back to the Word of God and see what the original plan is. So beginning next week, we're going to look at God's design. God's design. But this week, as you can see up here in front, uh, there's these tables. And if you got our announcements, you know that today is the Lord's Supper um, and when we started to think about this, oftentimes the Lord's Supper is called communion. Do, do you call it communion? You ever called it communion? You know what I'm talking about? And, and so when my mind got to think about communion, I, I began to wonder, like, communion, what, what is this? It, it's so much more than just the day in which we take uh, the, the bread and we, we drink the, the juice. 
But, but if all we do is call that day communion, we're missing out on so much. Like if that's what we think communion with God is, that only happens five, six times a year. So we need to look and see what communion is. So I want to ask a question this morning. What is communion? What is communion? And the answer, we're going to look at the relationship aspect that we have with God. Not so much the taking of the bread and the juice, but we're going to look at communion, what it was originally designed for, this relationship with God. So here's the answer. What is communion? Communion is God's communication to us coupled with our response to Him. Communion is God communicating to us His children and then us as His children responding to Him. All of this is done in such a way, listen to me now, all of this is done in such a way that He receives the glory and our hearts are filled with joy. You get that? So God communicates to us, we respond, done in such a way that He receives glory and our hearts are glad. Communion, church, listen to me, communion with God, I'm not talking about the bread and the juice, communion with God is a precious thing. Do you agree? Communing with God. What a precious word. And I felt so guilty that we only say it just a few times a year, but man, communing with God is a blessing. And we have this privilege. We have this privilege of communicating with God. He, he speaks to us, we respond, He receives glory, and our hearts are filled with joy. But where does this aspect of communing with God get its beginning, its origin? Where, where, does, that, where does that come from? I want you to go to your Bibles all the way to the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis, that's where we're going to look and see where this communing aspect with God originates. Where it begins. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And I'll explain to you why I picked the verse that I did to talk about communing with God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. It says, Now the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, were both naked, but they felt no shame. Adam and Eve were created by God in perfection, and they were standing before God, and Scripture says they felt no shame. Let me get you caught up on the story in case you're not familiar with it. In the beginning, God created it all. Uh, we have the Genesis account of creation where God sets into motion the world, the universe, everything that we know right now. Towards the end of creation, man, he, he, he creates the pinnacle of creation, which is mankind. And he creates Adam. And everything was great. The garden was full. There's, man needed nothing. But, but because he, he looked upon Adam and he was like, this guy, this guy needs a wife, he created Eve. And all the men in the room are like, thank you, Lord, right? He creates Eve. And so he's got his creation and he places them in the garden with perfect creation. Everything that they could ever want, everything that they could ever need, they needed nothing. It was perfect. It was perfect. And here we see man 
standing in front of God in their nakedness, what that symbolizes in the, the most vulnerable state, standing in front of God, and they felt no shame. They felt no shame. That church, listen to me, is perfect communion with God. This aspect of no shame, of no guilt. And here's what I want you to comprehend. It's so hard for us to understand. At this very moment, Adam and Eve had no concept of sin. None whatsoever. Imagine that. Can you? If you can't, like, can you imagine what communion they had with God the Father standing there in perfect innocence before him? The perfect communion. Oh, but if you know the story, that, that, that perfect communion was shattered when sin entered the story. The reason you and I have trouble comprehending what that was like for Adam and Eve to stand in front of a holy God with no guilt, no shame, is because we're on the other side of sin. And sin has marred the world that we live in. So it's hard for us to understand such an existence. But sin entered the story. God creates the garden, beautiful place. Every need fulfilled, created in perfection, walking hand in hand with God the Father with no sin, no shame, no guilt, no barrier in between them. And he gives them one stipulation. Do not eat of that, what church? Tree. Just, you've got everything you need, just don't eat of that one. Just don't eat of that one. But the great deceiver, Satan, does what he does best. He tempts and he tricks and he fools us. And he, and he ropes Eve in to sin and her husband follows. And right then and there, sin entered the world. And sin changed everything. What we see is that sin destroyed perfect communion. How do I know this? We get this from Scripture. Go to chapter 3 of Genesis. Let's read. It says, Then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life, and eat it? Then they'll live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. What you see here, because of sin, because of what we call the fall, the fall of mankind, when, when man sinned and chose to rebel against a holy God, we see right here that they became separated from God. He, he, he banished them. And what Scripture says, I mean, it, it was guarded, like they were kicked out of the garden. That, that perfect communion that they once knew was messed up. They didn't have that perfect communion. Y'all remember right after the, they sinned, uh, they, they ran and they hid from God, covering themselves in shame. What they understood was that sin messed it up. Has sin ever messed up your plans, church? Has it ever messed up your plans? Sin messes things up. Not only does it mess life up, but it messes up our communion with God. Adam and Eve had perfection. Can you imagine what they were feeling in this moment? Being able to walk with God in such innocence and it be stripped from them. 
communion was broken. Communion was lost. Sin entered the world, and it messed up perfect communion with God. But church, I need you to understand this this morning. That if we read the story, the narrative of Scripture from 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 cover to cover, what, what you'll understand if you look at the broad scope of the Bible is that it's full, l- listen to me, it's full of stories of men messing up. You ever read it? It's full of people rebelling against God over and over and over again. And what we see in the story is that God keeps coming after them, like he keeps loving them, like he keeps forgiving them because he's faithful and he's good. So you need to understand that that's the story of of Scripture is that that men mess up, but God loves us enough to pursue us. Are you thankful for that, church? He comes after us. And and so what we need to, to process this morning is that God desires, listen to me, desires communion with you. Do you believe that? You need to believe that. God desires communion with you. He, he wants us around him. I, I'm reminded of the story of, of, a, of a wonderful mentor that I have that, that I met a few years ago. Great, godly man. Pastors need help. And this is one of the guys that just, he provides help to me. He's, he's older in life. He's experienced things. He's just a, just a giant of faith. He's a wonderful man of God. And I was just texting him, just going through some things in life, trying to process some stuff. Can I, you can make fun of me later, but don't you dare make fun of me right now. I was, I was struggling with my baby going to kindergarten. Any dads? Like, it's not just moms. Like, I get so sick of that. Like, dads, if you're a good dad, man, that's going to break your heart a little bit. Right, dads? You can make fun of me later. Whatever. Now, struggling with it. You know, the kids just, just growing up and changing stages. Like, I was just, so I reached out to him. And we talked, he encouraged me. He was like, dude, you got to get a grip. And then you got to keep, keep re-gripping. Like, it was just great. But he said, I've got this dream. I've got this fantasy of my kids and my grandkids loading up on a wagon. He's from Texas. Loading up on a wagon and going to heaven with me. And he said, why, why is this a dream? He said, because if that happens, then, then all of my kids, all of my grandkids get to be with me forever. Wow. And I think any parent, any grandparent can relate that we, we, we want our kids, we want our kids, our grandkids around us, don't we? Like if you just want to make a grandparent's day, all go over to their house just for an hour and you will make the month, right? Grandparents, you know what I'm talking about? You better cheer right now. They're listening. Like we want our, our kids around us. We want our grandkids around us. Listen to me. God the Father is no different. He wants you around him. He wants to have communion with you. He wants to enjoy his creation. He he, he wants you. But why? Why is God concerned with communion? It's a good question to ask. He's a holy God. He doesn't need anything. Why is he concerned with communion with us? It's a big question. I want to give you the answer. That communion with God glorifies God. We've got to clarify this for a second. Yes, communion with God, no question, benefits you and I. It does. But you and I are not the center of the story. Communion does not exist for your benefit. Communion exists 
to glorify God. We gotta be real careful because so many times in scripture when we read a story, we like to, we like to put ourselves on the pages and make the story about us. This is not about us. Like This story is about God from cover to cover. And so we've got to understand that God wants to commune with us for his glory. Yes, it benefits you, but it's for the glory of God. How do we know this? Isaiah 43, 5 through 7. It says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east to west. I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Crucial now, verse 7. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for what? My glory. It was I who created them. You exist to glorify God. And when we are in communion with him, he receives the glory. He receives the glory. Oh, church, but there's a problem. There's a problem. Much like what happened in the garden, there's this barrier. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were banished from the garden. This barrier was set up. It was guarded. Like We, we, can't, we can't enter into communion with God because of the problem. The problem is sin. The sin in our lives, listen to me, the sin in our lives keeps us from communion with God. It, it breaks it down. That perfect communion was lost. Our sin messes it up. He wants his kids around him. We see in scripture that he, he, he wants them brought from all the corners of the earth. Bring them to me. But there's a crucial passage there. Bring them all who claim me as their God. So there's a little stipulation there. What does that mean? What does that mean? We, we have to have a way. We have to have a way back to communion with God the Father. Here's the answer. Are you ready for it, church? You with me today? How can we have communion with God. We know there's a barrier. It's been broken. There's a sin issue. How can we return to this Garden of Eden state? Here's the answer. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. There was a barrier set up because of the sin of Adam and Eve, and we're forever cursed by it. But what we see in Scripture is that the curse is broken by Jesus Christ. For those that place their faith in him, when we place our faith in Christ, we then enter into perfect communion with God the Father because the barrier of sin was destroyed in and through Jesus Christ. How do we know this? Isaiah 53. We're going to look at 4 through 6, then we're going to jump down to verse 10. It says, yet in our weaknesses, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us. 
We have left God's past to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jump down, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants, many children, many children. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. A barrier was established because of the sin in our life. Because of the sin in our life, we cannot have fellowship with God the Father, but Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way. If you know the story of Scripture, man messing up, raise your hand if you've messed up. The Bible says all of us. Raise your hand if you mess up every day. So what that tells me is that all of us need Jesus, not once in our life, but every single day we need Christ. There's a barrier in place. For many of us in here, we've placed our faith in Jesus. What does that mean? You've, you've heard it in church. Got to get saved. Got to get saved. Got to get saved. Saved from what? Being separated from God by the barrier. Not being able to have communion with God. That's what you need saving from. It's the sin in our life. Church, listen to me. It's the sin in our life. Apart from Christ. That keeps us from God. We've all admitted it in here. We're We're sinners. But here's the difference. Some in this room have placed their faith in Christ. What do I mean by that? Some in this room have repented of those sins and turned to Jesus. When that happens, in the blink of an eye, perfect, listen to me, here's the miracle, perfect communion is restored. Perfect. Jesus literally restores the bliss of Eden. You, for the first time in your life, in all of your sin, when you turn from it, trust in Jesus, can stand before God, much like Adam and Eve, sinless, spotless, blameless, free of guilt, free of shame. You can stand in front of God the Father once again in Christ Jesus. He's the way. He took all of our sins they were nailed to the cross. He, he crushed them. He, he has victory over sin and death. And if you place your faith and trust in him, your sins are washed away. And you can have perfect communion with God. Let me hear an amen. Oh, but the problem. Some in this room have not turned from sin. And because you haven't turned from sin, the barrier remains. And when the barrier remains, you can't commune with God. And it's a much bigger problem than just not being able to fellowship with God here on earth. But it separates you from Him for eternity. And if that's you this morning, there is always an opportunity to turn from your sin to repent of your sin. 
What does that mean? I want to spell it out. We're using some church words in here. When we say repent, what does that mean? We're all sinners. We raised our hand. What does that mean? You go before God and you say, I've done this and this and this so much that I can't even remember it all. I can't even recall what I've done. I just know I'm rotten. Like you've set a perfect standard and I've fallen short of the standard. I've sinned. You take it all to him. You say, I've messed up. Because I've messed up, there's a barrier, and I cannot have a relationship with you. Forgive me of my sin. And then, follow Jesus. That's as simple as I can make it. If you turn from your sin, give it all to God and follow Jesus, the scripture says, you will be saved. And in that moment... The barrier is gone, it's broken, it's shattered, not just for a day, it's broken for all eternity. And you can enter into perfect communion with God the Father. So those in this room that have trusted in Jesus, rejoice today that the barrier has been broken. You've trusted in Christ. You can freely walk into fellowship with God the Father. And I say freely, you need to remember that. So many child or children of God walk in this place held down by the sin and the shame and the guilt in your life that's already been forgiven. You need to get over it. God's taking care of it. And he wants you to walk in communion with him. But some of you have never experienced the forgiveness. And I beg of you, turn from your sin and follow Jesus and enter into perfect communion with God. Let me pray. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your instruction. Thank you for Jesus. We don't say that enough. There was a big problem. There is a big problem. And it's sin. You loved us enough to make a way. And the way is Jesus. Thank you for him. Thank you for his perfect life. Thank you for offering him up as a sacrifice for our sin. That if we trust in him, we will be forgiven of our sin. And enter in communion with you. Perfect communion. Thank you for Jesus. And we say thank you, thank you, thank you. In his precious name we pray. Amen.